0: You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Boness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church or service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Boness. Uh, well, good morning. As the kids and the leaders go out, does anyone know what the Scotland score was? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> anyone? Was <laughs> it was bad? Yeah. Oh, okay, it's bad. All right, we won't talk about that. Thanks for Jesus. Come on. <laughs> the Lord obviously didn't really want me to look at that because I looked at the app on my phone and it didn't tell me. <laughs> it hadn't updated, so uh, it's probably better that we're not distracted any. Uh, it's great to see you this morning. I mean, Tom. I'm one of the leaders here. And this morning I'm, I'm particularly excited because we're launching a new series in the book of Acts this morning. And we really believe, we're not just doing this because, you know, our daily reading plan has brought us here, and and this is the next book to look at. We we really believe that this church is at a juncture in this town um, where we have the ability, if we wait on the Lord, to see something released in this town of His presence. But we want it to be authentic. We want it to be the king of glory. We, we don't want to be making up what we're doing. We don't want to be sort of like boosting each other and, and stuff like that. We want Jesus to move in this church and in this town. Amen. And, and, and really, if he's moving here, he will be moving out there. Mm. But, but these walls need to fall down and I believe that's the word for this morning I haven't planned that these walls need to fall down they are built to give us a safe place to worship dry, warm but the walls need to come down and we need to remove ourselves from safety and place ourselves into the safe care of the saviour as we minister in this town so this new series is in the Book of Acts, it's written by Luke, he was a physician, he was a doctor, and uh, it's actually a continuation of a previous letter that he had written uh, to a guy called Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus means lover of God, which is a great name for somebody, uh, but that would be my name, I'd be delighted with that, lover of God. And he's, he's giving an account, and he starts off by giving a, an account of Jesus, And the wonderful, miraculous things that he's doing. But he moves from that in this next account to talk about Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's a a continuation. It's not even a sequel like that was part one, this is part two. It's a continuation. The two books together are about the acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the early church. You see why we're passionate to be preaching this. Now, if you're looking for really deep teaching, then, wait, next week Ian will be preaching the second message. But I believe that God's got something amazing for us this morning. And I want you to know this, nothing in this account is random. There's not a word that's written unnecessarily. Even as Jesus asks the disciples to wait 10 more days, effectively. And Ian will unpack that a little bit next week. Why? Why wait 10 more days? And if you haven't already seen it, we put on Facebook uh, an introduction by a, a, an amazing project that's come out of America called the Bible Project. And they have sought to go through, theologically, every book in the Bible, present it in an illustrative kind of way in brief, that kind of lets you see an overview of every book in the Bible. So go to our Facebook page, if you haven't seen this video, and just click play, because that will give you some of the great, rich context uh, as we come into this wonderful book. And today we're going to start with Acts chapter 1. Now, I became a Christian in 1997, okay, so that makes me 22, I believe, as I, I believe that. I wish it made me 22, <laughs> as an actual man standing here this morning. I actually had an understanding of some of the things of God, because already, my my older brothers and sisters had got saved. Uh, and so already they were moving in the things of God, and, and witnessing to me, and preaching to me. And even though I kind of pushed them to one side, I was 20 years old and I was like, I don't want to hear that, I want to do things my own way. I kind of believe God, but he's my pocket God, I'll believe in him on my terms, you know and and so I'd go about doing whatever I fancied and the only time I'd ever acknowledge God this is a weird one, but if I cussed in Jesus' name I remember this as a chef because I cussed a lot Mm -hmm. but if I brought the name of Jesus into that I felt it. Isn't that interesting? Before I knew him, I felt it. But in 1997, I surrendered my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I had some expectations at this point because I'd seen God work in the lives of people around me. And my expectations were this. Marriage and ministry. Those were my expectations. Honestly, I didn't mean this arrogantly, but I woke up the next day all full of fire and vigor and I was excited. A brand new world. It was like I was seeing things in color For the first time in my life, it's like we got rid of that old black and white set and we got the the, the colour set in play. The world looked different to me. And I thought, right, this is it. Now I expect by the end of the week, God will give me a wife. (laughs) By the end of next week... I'll be a pastor somewhere. <laughs> I'll be a full-time ministry. I even, the first church I went to, I sat down with the elders. I'm not kidding, this is month one. Some of the elders of <laughs> the church invited me around to their house. This crazy, recently saved boy. And I was bouncing off the walls everywhere. And they were a very traditional evangelical church. Their hands never went higher than that unless they wanted a cup of coffee. <laughs> they were such lovely people. But they invited me, one of the elders invited me around and they, they were chatting to me, uh, and really excited because I was the first person that they'd seen get saved in a little while in that church, and I was just full of fire. And, uh, and I remember sitting down and saying, well, you know, I guess now I have to go to Bible college and then I'll be a minister in three years' time. <laughs> and they were like, well, slow down a little bit. You know, it was ten years before I got married. But it was twenty years before I got a name as a pastor. Ten years. 10 long-hearted <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And the amount of times I tried to sort of chibi God along in it, You know, come on, Lord. What are you waiting for? I, I tried to preempt him almost on every turn, both for ministry and for marriage. I wasn't satisfied to wait for God to reveal what he wanted to reveal. And so, I'm not kidding, this is embarrassing, that you know, Jess is going to just, like, Literally, every woman with it. I had a 10 year rule. <laughs> anyway, my 10 year rule was 5 over, 5 under. That was my rule. So if somebody was 6 years older than me, forget it. If somebody was 6 years younger than me, forget it. 5 over, 5 under. That was my rule. And, uh, and so every woman, I'm not kidding, who I met who was single in that bracket. Um, I, I suddenly imagined that well, this must be the person. <laughs> this must be it. This must be the women I've been waiting for that God's got for me. Can you imagine the amount of heartache I caused myself and other people through that? I swear there are people in Gosport that would still avoid me today but honestly. <laughs> honestly. And I really thought I knew something about ministry. Right from the start. I thought I had something to bring like. God, you're so lucky that I've, that I've surrendered my life to you. You're so lucky that you've got me in your camp now because we're going to tear this place up. how I am sorry. And I went to this church and I was like, let me teach you. Let me teach you guys about the Holy Spirit. And they let me leave worship once. It was literally once. And at some point during the service I said, let's just pause and let the Holy Spirit move. It was amazing. Like, but I did it from a place of arrogance to a place of thinking that I knew best it was amazing because God's so good
1: yeah.
0: and some people were healed some people started speaking in tongues I think the people next to them were like <laughs> what's going on here but I had a conversation with one of the elders the following week and he said well maybe I'll lead it with you next time and that was a different thing but it, my arrogance was the problem heartache, confusion, frustration, jealousy. I, I tried to force what God was doing. And then in a sunny hill, I thought, now this is it. And I'd just done Bible college, came out of Bible college, I've got my degree in theology. This is going to be the moment. Brian Campbell was the pastor. And Brian, are you are going to ordain me as your assistant pastor now? No. He had a chat with me and said, we haven't got any money in the, in the budget, so can you find a job? So I went to find a job, and I found a job as a teacher, and as a teacher, it kind of took so much of my time that when it came to uh, ordaining a youth pastor, they ordained Dominic Byrne. Now, for those of you that know him, Dom is a fantastic guy. He's now the lead pastor of Sunny Hill, and even back then, uh, God had his hand on his life. He was younger than me, probably a bit more naughty than me. (laughs) Let God have his hand on his life and he made that broke my heart. Mm. And then a few months later, they brought another pastor into the uh, into ordination and the assembly, Pastor Phil Coleman, who's got the most amazing teaching gift. And we just had the privilege of seeing that flourish. But again, my heart was broken a little bit. And I had to take these two guys aside at one point and just say, look, guys, I've been struggling with jealousy. Because I felt that the positions that you got day to in this church, they should have been my positions. Again I was trying to force God. I was trying to run ahead of God. Yeah. Whatever you think God's spoken over your life, whatever inkling you have regarding his plans for you and his purposes for you, whatever ways you feel that he's gifted you, if you try to force it or rush it, or force him, or rush him, then you end up setting yourself up for disaster. Mm -hmm. And actually, you're probably going to hurt people around you as well. Mm -hmm. We need to learn Mm -hmm. to wait well. Mm We need to learn to wait well. And even when we don't, and we act impatiently, know this from the outset of this series, God is still faithful. Amen. Yes, I
1: mean.
0: That's a miracle of grace. Yeah. It's a miracle of grace that I've stood before you to lead pastor today because if I was the guy doing the choosing, I'd have gone. See that guy? He's been nothing but an idiot <laughs> the whole time that he's been a believer. Why, why pick him? Why would he be the pastor? There's purpose in the waiting. If you could go to Acts chapter 1. As you go in there, you know, that the reason. We're starting here, it's not just because it's the first book, uh, the first chapter in the book of Acts, it's because we really believe that God's going to do something in this town. Mm-hmm. And we not just do we believe it, but we also want to believe it. And I'll be honest about that, we want to believe that. And so, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know if we want to believe it and then we believe it, or the other way around. But I want to believe that God's going to do something amazing in this town, and I want to believe that there are people that are currently like, heading down the wrong road towards hell, and I I actually want to believe that God's going to rescue them by appealing to their heart and putting his gospel before them and them understanding it by the empowering of his Holy Spirit and responding to him. I want to believe that. And there's nothing scripturally wrong with believing that and, and, and actually trying to push that passion into my heart and let it take root and be fire in my belly Because if it's not fire in my belly, then I am apathetic about the fact that my neighbours don't know Jesus. And I don't want that to be true for me, and I don't want that to be true for this church. But there's been a ton of times where I've had great intentions, holy intentions, real passion, real excitement, real drive just to get out there and do it. And I've stepped ahead of God, and I've caused damage. So as a church, we want to fire up that passion for his name in this town, but at the same time, we want to wait and listen and say, God, you lead the way. You first. I'm not going to read all of the chapter, but just from the top, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began To do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is a doctor who researches things, who doesn't just take things at face value, and he's saying there are many convincing proofs that Jesus was alive the Holy Spirit. Let's pause there. Wait, 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 wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift. Now how many of you know this song? (laughs) (laughs) How many times have we sat there waiting for our food or something and we've just been trying to, I don't know. Just wind up, mama, up, or something like that. And be like, why are we waiting? <laughs> to the tune of "O Come, You Faithful." I mean, we're so impatient sometimes. That's not true of all of you, of course. Some of you have learned patience. Some of you seem to have patience, like Jess, as gifted patience, <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> but not me. And if you identify with me, then you're one of those people who sit banging the table. Why are we waiting? Because my stomach's empty. Impatience never produces healthy results. It's true. Never. And, and impatience never produces healthy character. Never. If you are identifying some impatience in your life right now, chase it down, give it to Jesus, let him deal with it. Because that will become a barrier in the way of you growing towards maturity as a believer of Christ. Impatience is a destroyer. Think about this, Moses. He knew something of what he was going to be from when he was young. But in his impatience... He stepped ahead of God and ended up killing a guy and had to run away. And then it was 40 years. And this guy was old by the time he became a minister. Thank you, Lord, that I'm still in my 40s. You know? He could have made me wait a lot longer than 20 years. Oh, Moses, he's got downtime. Joseph, young lad, knew something of what God had for him. And then his. In patience and in perhaps his youthful arrogance like me, he decided to tell his brothers the dreams that he had had about them bowing down to him. And of course his brothers loved it, and they're like, we can't wait until you're king over us. Why don't we just do that now? No, they, they threw him in a hole. They, they had a discussion over, should we just leave him or should we kill him? And, and then they decided to, to sell him, and they sold him into slavery. So he's abandoned, he's left in a hole, he's sold into slavery, he's taken away. Then he's falsely accused, and then he's thrown into prison. And then Abraham, his impatience, because he knew something that God had said to him. Abraham, you're gonna have a son. And this son is gonna father nations. And Abraham's going, yeah, but my wife's a bit old. (laughs) So am I. It's not really gonna happen, so. Let me help you, God. And the result is that he has an illegitimate son that God had not wanted him to have. Not the appointed son that God had chosen. And you know, it's spoken right back there that that son would always be at enmity with the other. And if you look at the Middle East right now, the offspring of those two sons are at enmity now thousands of years later, one decision. King Saul's impatience cost him the throne. And probably the saddest words that I've ever seen in Scripture applied to a man, it says the Spirit of God departed him. Impatience often leads us to self-attempts. We want to move God and we want to move like God. We're desperate to see God move in our meetings. That's a good Thing. That's a good desire. We want to spend time in his presence because it's beautiful. You know, when I think about heaven, it used to frustrate me a bit because people would say, oh, it'd be like we'll be worshiping forever. And I've been in some church services where I was like, really? That doesn't sound like fun. That doesn't sound great to me. Just repeating stuff over and over. But then I've been in meetings where the presence of God has been there and I don't want to go home and I don't care what time of night it is. When we're in God's presence, there's nothing boring about His presence. There's nothing, nothing that is wasted or purposeless or frustrating or anything like that about God's presence. When we know the authentic presence of God in our midst, it's exciting, it's humbling, it's powerful, it makes us fall to our knees in awe. And it stops us watching the clock, and the thing is we come into meetings sometimes and we're thinking this is taking a while to get going, (laughs) how can I, you know, kind of chivvy this along a little bit, and unintentionally sometimes we can be responsible, I can be responsible, for trying to force God into the room, (laughs) so it's right that we're desperate for God to move, but we don't want to manufacture, we don't want to replicate, we don't want to copy. You know, the the worst thing is that we can learn to do church so well that it's almost like we don't need God to be in the building. Think about it, like, we know how to sing well, we know how to listen well, we we know how to pray well, but we want God to move authentically. And, And Jesus says, wait. In Jerusalem, what he, what he doesn't say is wait and get yourself some tuition. He, he doesn't say that. I want to say this carefully because what I'm not going to do is say anything about Bible colleges or, or Holy Spirit kind of colleges. But what the Holy Spirit gives you is a gift. You can't learn it like you can learn to build a house. You can't learn it like you can learn to make a good omelet. What, what you can, now, here's where this is difficult. Because what you can do is encourage somebody to recognize a gift in their lives. And what you can do is fan that gift into flame. What you can do is spend time alongside somebody, fathering them, mothering them, and mentoring them, saying... You know, you've got a gift here, now have the courage to use that gift. Put it into practice. Don't worry if you get it wrong at first, but have confidence that God will lead you. But you can't teach the gift from grassroots. And we'll come to this in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm not gonna stay here too long. But, but none of the disciples on the day of Pentecost went to language school, they got their TESOL and their whatever else kind of qualifications. None of them did that in that short space of time when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Yet, when they started speaking, people heard in their own language. Instantly. It's a gift. There's no learning involved. It was a gift. And then you learn how to use the gift. You learn how to put it into operation. You learn how to be faithful to God in the uh, execution of that gift. In the life of the church. Because it's there. Everything the Holy Spirit gives and everything the Holy Spirit is. Is to point like one giant signpost in one direction. Jesus. Mm -hmm. Everything. And if we're doing stuff in church, whether it's from good intentions or not, that is not giving that massive signpost to Jesus, then we need to be quiet. It's Jesus. Yeah. It's all about him. It's always been about him. Yeah. So waiting means trusting God. It means trusting God for a breakthrough of power in our lives. You can't rush God into the plans that he intends for you. The purposes that he has for you. You can't force him either to adhere to the plans that you have for yourself or that you have for him. You can't rush him, you can't force him. Throughout scripture, waiting patiently is seen as a good thing, and waiting with impatience is a bad thing. Psalm 40, if you are just jotting these down, they're not going to come up on the screen, but Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Why? Because I waited patiently for him to do that. So it might be that you've got your feet in the miry clay right now. Wait patiently. Don't struggle. If ever you've been caught in quicksand, which I doubt any of you have been, but we all know the rule. Don't struggle. If you struggle, you go in deeper. Wait patiently. Wait for rescue. If you wait for the Lord patiently, he will hear your cry. He will come to your rescue. He will lift you out of that miry clay and put your feet on a firm place. Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, Lamentations is written by a really cheerful guy called Jeremiah. He's a happy chappy. He's called the weeping prophet. And, and, and the first three chapters uh, of Lamentations, he's crying out and he says things like, he's talking to God or he's talking about God, and he says things like, he's crushed my bones. He's, he's, he's made me eat gravel. He's, he's pierced me. He's he's pounced on me like a lion to devour his prey. He's talking about, God, this is not a guy who's in a happy place. And yet through that he learns, wait patiently for the Lord. It is good. So those whose hope is in him to wait patiently and quietly for his salvation. And then in Romans 8, 25, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we wait well by waiting patiently. But what are we waiting for? Well, if you just look in your Bible at Acts 1 again, look at verse 8. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I don't want to take away too much from Ian next week, but Jesus says to his disciples wait here until you receive what power power the gift of his holy spirit to receive power or empowerment through his spirit now the greek word here is the only one i'll give you today it's dynamis dynamis and it's the same kind of root word that we use for our words like dynamic but also, I don't know if you're of an age where you can remember before batteries were invented, you know, um, your, your lights on your bikes were the dynamo things. you remember those? And you said, put this, like, cog onto your wheel, and as you pedalled, uh, there was friction, and the uh, tyre the, the, the of your bike forced this cog to go round, and that caused electricity build-up, which then fed through the wires to the lights and gave light and power to your way. What Jesus is going to do through his Holy Spirit is empower you so that as you are going along the road, it's his spirit that is charging you up and enlightening your way. The power that you need to outwork his purposes for you. That's what he's saying, wait for. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the power of God to be released in our lives. Isn't it? Better. It's a way for God to give you the genuine power that you need rather than trying to run to the spiritual version of Home Bargains to get the cheap batteries to try and keep you moving forward. We can try to power ourselves up and sometimes we can do a pretty good job, it looks like. Have you noticed how knockoff discount shops often have replicas of? Good tools or good equipment or good things that would cost you a lot more in another shop. And how many of you have fallen into the trap of buying some of those tools? I mean, it's like the centre of Liddles, and there's tools there, and I love tools. But I've learned my lesson, don't buy a tool in Liddles. Because if I buy a tool in Liddles, you know what the real tool is? Me. Because it's going to last five minutes. If, if, you, if you want a decent tool to do a job, you spend the money on it, and you get the proper thing. Right, Andrew? You know, Andrew would laugh. This is a guy who, who eats wood for a living. He <laughs> loves it. And, and, and yet he would laugh at my toolbox. He'd be like, where have you been shopping, you nutty? Because he knows that the things that I've spent my money on won't last five minutes outside of my own blue tack DIY. If you want to move in authenticity and power, then plug into Jesus, plug into his Holy Spirit, wait for his power at work, and you don't try and run ahead of that and do it yourself, because you can be rubbish. And I'm telling you that because I've spent years being absolutely rubbish, and I still get it wrong now, but when I listen to him and wait for him and let him do it through me, then there's power. There's power. So therefore we wait well by waiting with expectation, because we're waiting for the power to arrive. Habakkuk 2, 3 says don't linger, wait for it because surely it will come and it won't delay. Surely. How long have you been waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to be out of work in your life? It's coming. It's coming. Wait well by waiting expectantly and I'm going to land this in the next few minutes. Where are we waiting? Jerusalem. That's what Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. Do we need to wait in church? Is it about some holy place? Jerusalem, what's that? Holy City is where all the action was. Is that what he's saying? Stay where the action was. Stay in church. Just just huddle until the Spirit comes. I believe he's saying stay where you are. Stay where you are. Wait for God to speak. And if you're wondering where does God want me? How does God want to use me? What does life look like now? Wait. Wait. Wait wait, but expect him to speak listen. Expect him to move. Expect him to let you know. He wants his plans and purposes for you, to be known by you. He's not hiding them. It's not like this is some Christmas calendar where you've just got to try and, you know, find the number 12 and then peel back the door and get the chocolate. This is God, having plans and purposes for you, and he wants you to find that. He wants you to hear his voice. So wait, and he will speak. It's not about showing God how committed you are to church, how good a believer you are. Maybe if I just behave in this way, God will speak to me. God wants to speak to you, even if you are having your first steps as a believer of Christ. Even if you've still got a ton of rough edges to work off. He wants to speak to you. He can speak to you. He will speak to you. You need to listen to him. And Jerusalem was a staging post for what God had planned. He had already said to the disciples to go. Into all the world and made disciples of all nations. And he said from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Start in Jerusalem, move out into Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And I believe that our purpose here is to stay in Bones and spread the gospel in Boness and make disciples in Boness and then in Falkirk uh, uh, and in Lithgow and in Kirkweston and then from there to the ends of the earth. Sterling. Mm. It's not the end of the earth, by the way. Feels like it's a touch. <laughs> Where are we waiting? Waiting. In Jerusalem, stay put until he speaks to you, but expect that he will speak to you and that he will move you. And listen carefully here, because though his plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you, and you can take that because all the promises Mm -hmm. are yes and amen in Jesus. So you can take that to the bank, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that he has plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, but please don't expect that those plans Will involve you staying where you are, either physically or spiritually. I don't know what that looks like for your life. It certainly doesn't mean staying where you want to stay, how you want to stay, with permission to keep yourself to yourself. If that's the gospel that you want, that's not a gospel you'll hear in this church. God does not want us to keep ourselves to ourselves, be all polite. You know, we're not going to be a voice in the society and community because, you know, we're going to be. British Christians, they're going to be nice and quiet. That's not what God wants from you. If, if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Christ, a believer, if your life is being transformed, then you're a mouthpiece. And also, his plans to prosper you and not to harm you, that, that doesn't necessarily contain constant comfort, financial gain, easy life. That's a misunderstanding of what prosperity means. When God says prosperity, he's talking about your heart. He's talking about your soul. He's talking about your character.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It may be that he cost you financially. But if he does that, it's so you can give it away. It's not so that you get a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. Pick any disciple. Pick any character through the book of Acts. How do they die? Just consider that. Mm How many of them got to 90, peacefully drifted away? Now, I'm not saying that we're all going to get martyred here. you would be glad to know. But let's not expect that when we follow the call of God in our lives, it's going to be, like, all comfortable, you know. Isn't it lovely to be a believer? But yes, it is. It's lovely because we know Jesus, who's the Redeemer. Who is the risen one, who is the one that holds the keys to heaven, the one who holds your heart in his hands, the one who has the power not just to destroy our body, but he has the power to destroy our soul as well, in fire, Mm -hmm. and yet in Christ, therefore there is now no condemnation. Amen. So how do we wait well? We wait until we know he's spoken. We wait until he's equipped us with power. We use our time wisely. We're not just going to sit and put Netflix on while we're waiting for him to move in our lives. We're going to seek him. That's part of what waiting means. We're going to seek him. And this, we're going to serve him. We're going to serve him. When Peter's mother was, was brought out of sickness, the first thing she does, she waited on the Lord. That doesn't mean she sat at his feet, crossed her legs and went, I'm going to wait until you say something She served Jesus mm-hmm. So as we wait, we seek him We serve him But we wait then to speak We study We ask mm-hmm. We hunger for him And we're patient We rest in assurance Because there's a purpose in the waiting That's true. By word, we want the authenticity And the move of the Holy Spirit in this church We're a Pentecostal church, guys We believe that God moves today in the same ways that He moved back then. But we want it to be God. We don't want it to be manufactured within these walls. We want it to come from heaven. (laughs) Give Him the room to move. You'll be amazed at what He will do. You'll be amazed. And listen, even if our impatience has got the better of us from time to time, as it did with me, with the many people. Thank goodness I've waited for Jess. Thank you, Lord. Because even in our impatience, there's still hope. Because what the enemy intends for harm, God intends for good. Sometimes the enemy will intend for harm our stupidity. (laughs) And he'll, he'll leverage that, our rashness, our foolishness. He'll leverage that and try to hurt us with it. But God takes that, whatever it looks like, and turns it around for our good. And the first thing that he's doing is he's changing your character. He's sanctifying you from the inside out. And he's declaring over you, child of God. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning, to wait for you in patience, surrendered to you. Help us to walk in step with you. Help us n- neither to run too far ahead of you, nor to lag too far behind. Because we want to move where you're moving in this town, because that's where your authority and your power is. And when we do that we know that you're going to move in power in this town. We're praying. We're praying for these households around us. Even now, next door, both sides across the road. We're praying that salvation would rush down these streets like a flood. Like a flood. (laughs) On the day of Pentecost there were 3,000 people that were saved because they'd heard the word of a fisherman who had no learning and no education and yet you spoke through him by the power of the Holy Spirit and lives were transformed and the church grew for your glory. Do that now in 2019 and 2020 in Bowness. Would you do that? Blood this place with your friends. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come. Let's stand together, church.